that I was so tired, I had thought of myself into bed, and I would get in and then put that lotion on her toes. I go, I can't move. <laughs> I literally could not put that lotion on my feet because I was so tired. And uh, Glenn, he wanted us to be ready for the next day. He wanted our mind to renew and wanted us to go to bed. country um, and to see that out of the United States eyes because that was an eye-opener and to thank the church for your prayers and your support and the reason it was such an eye-opener for me because most of the time uh, we as human our human response is to look for something that looks like us acts like us barks like us is us well let me tell you although Canada is at the north and I know you've heard from TV that they're just an extension of the United States no they're not they are not. 
I went looking. The first thing I thought is, I'm not going to lie to you, confession is good for the soul. I went looking for a colored person. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. Whether they're black, Negroid, Afro-American, or whatever is politically correct today, I wanted somebody that looked like me. <laughs> I'll have you know my first experience when I went downstairs from Monte Carlo Motel. I saw a black lady, had like a black hairstyle, two little precious girls. I was bold because when you're around something like you, you get bold. And I said, good morning. She spoke a Fritja. I go... I said, that wasn't my language, is what I said to myself. So I thought, I'm going to check you off. So I'm going to exempt you, and I'm going to try someone else. So I went to another place, and uh, I was talking to this lady, not had two little kids, so I love kids. And she looked at me and frowned and went, and I thought, do you want me to repeat the question? Her husband had to translate. They were from West Indies. So you see, there are lots of people. My friend Sat, whose name is Sat Abulorathathon, he was the young dark-skinned man. He and I are such good friends, we were comparing tan lines. <laughs> and so Greg, who was the Caucasian gentleman, really Caucasian because he's from West Virginia, he's with the IMB, uh, we were talking about him and we, he said, those poor people, because he's from Sri Lanka. And so I said to him, I said, Seth, I said, you know, in the United States, it's African-American, it's black. It's, and he said, and I said, some people from the South still say colored. And he goes, colored. He said, I don't understand. We all are colored. So you see, so one of the first things that Greg told us is, it's not that there's not racism in Canada. It's just that they don't think of it the way the United States does. What an eye-opener. What an experience. Because what you find out is that they promote their diversity. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Canada before we go any further. Just let me, let me just kind of tell you some things. I, uh, I got this text from Greg. Greg Alexander was one of the missionaries. He's a church planner there. And he's with IMB. He's been commissioned there. He's been there about four years. The lady that you saw on the rock in the water in the blue, her name's Rosalind. That's his wife. She's an occupational therapist assistant. Really cool people. And his ministry is to the campuses, to the campuses alone. Scott, the guy with the beard that looks real radical, he, trust me, he is. He is all about hitting the streets. And I mean streets. He's a church planner as well. And his, his, his goal is to, church, is to plant ten churches in 10 months. Yeah, he's done four. Yeah, rendezvous.com, if you go in, you'll see that he's doing some amazing things on the streets. And where he, um, where he does his ministry is some of the toughest neighborhoods in Toronto. And one of them is Parkdale. Now, Parkdale is known to house the marginalized people. You know what that term is? That's like scum, pe uh, scum people. Well, people that necessarily not acceptable, okay? Uh, addicts. Uh, just to give you an example, when we went down there to do a prayer walk, there was a gentleman that walked past us, and Greg said, well, you guys missed it, because we went to the bathroom in the back of the Salvation Army. And I didn't miss it too long, because the gentleman was about 250 pounds, had on white 
hot pants, white altar top, had his hair, hair shaved on one side, and about a 12 to 14 inch ponytail on this side, had blue mascara, blue, and I could have swore he had on go-go boots. <laughs> and he walked past not once but twice for Scott to tell us he was a prostitute. So that's what you find in Parkdale. Around the corner as we walked and prayed with our eyes open. Beautiful homes, but were pretty well, you know, kind of devastated. And one of the places, um, the EMT Scott informed us, they call it Suicide Alley. And the reason they do is because many immigrants, uh, Toronto is full of immigrants. Most of the people that live there have not lived there any longer than 15 years. Because it is a, it is a, a growing, growing city. There's 7 million people in Toronto. And if you're not from Toronto, they know that because you still say Toronto. It's pronounced Toronto. That's how they say it. Now, I figure it's something like Psalms where the P is missing. Well, the T is missing in Toronto. <laughs> so it's Toronto. And Toronto means the gathering of the tribe. The gathering of the tribe. Ironically, Canada means the village. So how ironic is that? Seven million people and only 40 church plans. Forty. Now I want you to get that. Try to divide that out. And one of the diff most difficult neighborhoods is Parkdale. And what it is is they cut off the lake, access to the lake, because many immigrants came in looking for a home, uh, a land flowing with milk and honey. There was opportunities. They brought all their assets and all their belongings, all that they had of value. And what happened is when they cut off the route to the lake, those people were kind of housed in. And all of a sudden, their dreams weren't coming true. So the first thing they thought, because they had no religion, was to take their life. So it wasn't unusual to find people jumping over the balconies of their homes. All their homes are very, very tall. Not so wide, but very tall. We went to one neighborhood called Midtown. It's where Scott's ministry is and where he lives. The average home there is around 700,000. Just around the corner, there are two or three million. The median income, I asked Greg, I said, what's the median income for people here? He said, oh, around 55000 a year. Well, when we hooked up with Scott, Scott said, no, it's about 75000 a year. So this is a place where people go for education, for growth, for money. They're very ecological society, which means that they don't like dirt. They don't like waste. They don't like paper and stuff on their streets. I've never seen streets so clean. I mean, it, 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 it absolutely blows your mind. On the sidewalks, you'll see not just a waste can, but you will see paper, plastic waste. It's incredible. Let me tell you some other things about, about Canada. There are more than 200 ethnic and language groups in Canada. I got this from Greg a couple of nights ago. With 159 of those without a, without a church. Without the church. Uh, Canadians suffer from identity issues. Uh, we know who we're not, but we don't know who we are. And what that basically means, he told me that they love diversity, they respect diversity. Whatever you came with, it's okay to continue to be that. If you came as a Tibetan monk, which we did see a Tibetan temple, and this camera person here was getting ready to click away, but I knew that you weren't supposed to. See, because they're very somber people. They're very respectful. 
Um, you have to remember that they are still of the British and English rule. So the queen is queen. As a matter of fact, my t-shirt uh, you saw said that um, said um, not everybody can be a princess, but somebody has to wear the crown. Well, I decided not to wear that the day after Prince George was born because I thought they may think I was disrespecting the queen. So I chose not to wear that t-shirt because they're very serious about those types of matters. Now, let me tell you about them. Most of them had no religion or they're Roman Catholic, which is, by the way, not evangelical. You see? Now, I did a little research before I went, and I found out that one of their religions is Jedi. Well, the only thing I know about Jedi is the Star, Star Wars people. So I asked Greg, I said, Greg, what religion is, is Jedi? He goes, hmm, can't, let me see. He goes, oh, and he laughed. And I said, is there a religion named Jedi? I'd like to find out what that's about. He said, Jedi is what they choose to be, which basically says, we don't want any religion. We don't want to argue with you about yours. If you want to be Buddhist, if you want to be Hindu, that's fine. We support that for you. But we choose to not be anything. So that's the problem. The percentage of actually evangelized people in Toronto is one and a half percent. So is there work to do? It's even less in Quebec. Quebec is only a half percent of evangelized people. And the thing about Quebec is they hate Christians. That's what Greg said. Greg's the international. He's been all over Europe and everywhere. He said Quebec, Quebec people hate us because they even use our church names as customers. They abhor us. This is some of the other things about Canada. We are intentionally a multicultural nation that celebrates diversity. We are more like a tossed salad than a melting pot. In 1998, the city abandoned the uh, Toronto is good to adopt diversity is our strength. You see, we, diversity looks different for us because we have to be careful being tolerant. We as a nation are moving more toward tolerance. It's different for them, and we need to recognize how it should be different for us. Okay. Uh, there are two official languages, English and French, but, you know, the second language to Canada is Chinese. It's Chinese, not French, because they asked us. Because the first day there, we had orientation. And with that orientation, we basically had to map out the city. So we... You know, Pastor Ryan got his laptop out and we looked at some geographics about the city so that when we left, Greg and Scott would have an idea of the, of the people group that they would be working with, okay? The one thing that I did notice about them, a lot of married couples with two parents between the ages of 25 to 44. So single parent is not as big of a deal there as it is here, Okay. It says, um, another thing, too, is um, Canadians, it's not that Canadians have rejected the gospel. Most of them have never heard, have never heard the gospel. 2013, they've never heard. Now, Seth, that's my friend now. As a matter of fact, we, we just talked to each other on Facebook a couple of days. I've made friendships that will last my lifetime. That's, that's the amazing thing. And, and he is such a cool guy. 
I asked him about his testimony. I said, well, tell me, how did you come to Christ? And he said, well, he said, I was around this family. I had a friend. I was around this family. And, uh, man, they did such neat things. And they just had so much love. I said, so let me get this right. It wasn't so much as what they said. It's what they did. He said, oh, yeah. And he said, they were so cool. They were just loving all the time and doing things for people. And I said, so you came to Christ like that? He said, yeah. Now, Rosalind, Greg's wife, she came to Christ by reading Genesis, the creation experience. And she felt like there has to be something more. Someone created this way. And she came to Christ through Genesis and actually has written a book called I Am. So you see this amazing thing. The thing that came to me was we have it all. We've got the buildings, we've got the materials, we've got the curriculum, we've got the preachers, we've got the sermons. We, we have that all. And we do less with what we have. The Word of God said to him that much is given, much is required. And yet there's many in numbers of those people, but they don't have any idea. But yet when they do hear I'm going to tell you, Mark, the guy, the black guy, he, he reaches out to Rwandans and those from Tangier and, uh, because he's from Eastern Africa. And he came here. His family was Christian. He raised Christian. But he came here and left his wife and left his daughter. And he reaches out to those people in that high-rise you saw. There's 3,000 people in that high-rise. And, and when Mark was telling me about reaching out to people for Christ, he is a very dark, pigmented-skinned man, as you saw. When that man started talking about Jesus to me, I'm telling you, his skin color changed. I'm not joking. He lighted up. His eyes, this man lived what he believed. It was amazing to me. I got excited talking to him, and I hadn't even had lunch yet. It was incredible. He was telling me about his dreams and what he proposed to do, and what God had put on his heart. And I found out that Mark is an agronomist, agronomist, an agriculture engineer. So because his brother Jeremiah died of malnutrition in Africa. So he said, between him dying, why hasn't God done something about hunger and evil? So then he started going to Nairobi Theological Seminary. Now he has a Master's of Divinity. So he's here in Illinois. You know the size of his church? Six people. In that high rise, which you really don't want to go to at night. And you better be careful during the day. Six people, and he's so proud. Now, do you know where these people's churches are? They don't come to a nicely padded pew here, guys. They're at that Salvation Army that we used to bathroom in. Scott, very radical person. You know how he started that church? He went down to a horrible part of Toronto, which is Parkdale. Seth is going to join him. Seth is also a church planner. Seth was Hindu until the age of 15. His parents didn't mind so much him becoming a Christian. What they were upset with is that he married Charmaine, who's German. She came from Austria. They were more upset about that. But since they were Hindu, because they knew they were supposed to be Hindu, but they really didn't serve out their Hinduism, 
they accepted his Christianity okay. So he's a church planner at the university. Now let me tell you something about the university. The University of Toronto has 50,000 students. 50,000. Do you know how many people was there during the summer trying to spread the, the word of Christ? Those two girls you saw, Katie and Christina, two interns. And Christina didn't want to be there. Because although she was sent by NAM, she actually signed up for Indonesia to work with three and four-year-olds and wound up at that university. Their whole, their whole job was to do the summer, interact, uh, you know, invite other college students to like pizza parties like we had and things like that. We did have a pizza party the Friday we left, and there were what, five? Five. So you see, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are so few. And let me tell you something else I learned the very first day. We got up. Greg came by to get us. Went through orientation, mapping out the area, looking at the different people groups. And trust me, don't think that you're going to point to somebody and say they're white, they're black. They're, you have no idea. There's just a, it's multitudinous of nations. As a matter of fact, Katie, my friend, which is the intern for Scott, said, you know, the word of God says that we are to go into all nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Lord. She said, all nations is right here in Toronto. Right here is every kind of ethnicity that you can think of. So you see, it's, there's so much to do. So when we got up that morning and we started out, we went to Ryerson, which is a satellite part of the University of Toronto, and we walked the prayer. We walked and prayed. Then we went to Humber College, and we walked and prayed. Then we went to the University of Toronto. Didn't I say 50,000 students? So can you imagine the size of their campus? I had a discussion with my niece, and my niece said, this is for the Lord. We can do this. How many times did I have to use my brace? None. None. Think once, and then it, it really got in my way. Because the Lord does supply your every need. And I walked and I walked. As a matter of fact, I came home and went to the doctor the other day and I lost 10 pounds. <laughs> I'm going back to Canada. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing because I saw Jesus lie on every corner. That place where she took pictures of that had the red, um, you know, umbrella. That is Eaton Square. We saw all the big lights and all of that. We prayed over that area that's like Times Square in New York. We prayed over the soccer field that Scott started. Scott's doing an amazing job. He's, the four churches he started, they all start from where he's pastor, Rendezvous. Rendezvous means the meeting place. And he has appendages. He has an oasis church that started. One of the programs that he's doing that's incredible is called Spark Good. Any of you ever heard of Spark Good? It's an incredible program. Let me just tell you a little bit what Spark Good does. What it does, it's not only just for, um, just as Christians, but it's actually a community, a community effort. Um, what you do is it, you take the idea of how I can change myself or my community. Yeah, this is the challenge of Spark Good. Um, you say this, you ask yourself this question. 
What's the one risk or challenge I can take this week that will either make my world a better place or myself a better person? It has been, the Lord has blessed God so incredibly with building Spark Good camps, Spark Good clubs, that they allowed him into the school system twice to tell the true story of Christmas and Easter. One of the things that's amazing about them, you know they have socialized medicine. Uh, as a matter of fact, effective August 1st, uh, two of the major hospitals closed for two weeks. Pay money. But one of the things, too, is they will pay a mother to stay at home with their child for a year. It's very important to them. They also pay the schools. Not like our educational programs. But they pay a child to go to school. They pay a mother to stay at home to take care of the child. It's amazing the good things they do, like these Spark Good programs, they're incredible. And do you know where Scott solicits his people? On the playgrounds. He talks to the parents as they're bringing their kids to school. Now let me tell you something that's incredible. You know, you talked about our prayer walk. They claim territories for the Lord and prayed against darkness, which there's plenty of in Toronto. We all know that. Saved alive and well. But they prayed. We walked and prayed. Yes, with our eyes open. You know, it didn't take hard to get used to. I mean, you just, because she, like she said, it would appear to be a cult if you closed your eyes. You have to be respectful. One of the things that we learned on the subway, it's like Aunt, uh, Greg was always asking us, what have you noticed? What did you observe? And uh, one of the things Andrea said was, boy, those people in their iPads and iPhones and all those things. And he said, yeah, that's the young doing that. But he said, if you'll notice, the older people didn't say anything either. They don't. Now, if you talk to them, they're very polite. They will respond. But that's all. Because one of the things that Greg told us, if you come on just real, real strong, they're going to question you. Because they're very, it's almost formal like the queen. Very formal. It's an incredible place. You saw so much possibilities and opportunities. Another thing that Scott is doing is called chain reaction. It's a good thing. What he simply does is go to Midtown or Parkdale. Midtown's where he lives. Scarborough as well, where Mark is. And he fixes bikes. Since he's been there three and a half years, they fixed, they've repaired 300 bikes. It's called chain reaction. Do you see? It's something that we're trying to do and have been trying to do for a long time. Get to know the person before you tell them about the Lord. I often tell the people in my Sunday school class, invite them to a person and not a place. Let them know Jesus before they know the hours of your church service. Let them know you. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. That's okay for the Lord. He'll take care of that. But that's what Scott does. That's what Seth does. That's what Mark does. So we're talking about 40 people that are working this major city. So I won't keep you any longer. It's just, I'm so excited. I'm sorry, but I am. I'm just, I'm just excited. So I have to. I asked God about some things that they wanted prayer for. God said, um, protection for, for my children, that, that once they're in this culture of so much. Guys, you have to understand, he's, he's raising his kids in an urban um, area where there's 
Hinduism. There's, uh, like I said, uh, did you take the picture of where they put the offering? Someone had put an offering out. It looked like plums, but it was a bowl, and it had some other things near it, and that was their offering. Hinduism and uh, Sailtism and all these things are there, and Scott is concerned about his son, Ethan, and his daughter, Megan, because they're only 11 and 12. Very impressionable mind. So he says, pray that they be protected. He says, pray that Kristen, his wife, who has a job with pediatric occupational therapy, but because of her hours, it's very difficult. Very demanding on him as a church planner. He's very hyper, too. And as a, as a father and um, as a husband, all of these roles, it's hard on him. And he said, pray for wisdom. You need to realize they don't have family over there to help them. That's right. They're there by themselves. Pray for wisdom and balance of his time and pray that the Lord of the harvest will send more permanent laborers. You know, like I said, the three girls that were there, Kate, Katie, and Christine, they were interns for the summer and they all were leaving the first part of August. Katie, my buddy, is going back to uh, Colorado. I'm not sure where Christine and Kate are going, but so they're leaving. Um, and, and, and Greg said this year that they haven't really been a lot of help because they didn't infiltrate the campus as he wanted. Um, so pray for that. Seth sent me an email and said that um, he wants to join Scott in Parkdale, which is a tough job. He said, we were involved in university ministry, which let me tell you is real tough because 70% of the college students at the colleges in Toronto are either Asian or from India, and they come specifically for a good education. One of the things we noticed, guys, is you didn't see piercings or tattoos or swagging pants or anything like that. I mean, you noticed that right away, that they're dressed, they're for business. And, and Greg said it's because they pay. University of Toronto hey, hey, hey. is one of the top colleges, universities, in the country. So they pay to come there and do that without God. Without God. You see what I mean about all of that intellect? But no wisdom. See? So he said that we're involved in university ministry and they want to, they said, uh, pray that we, that they, him and Charmaine, may create a church for the nation in Parkdale because they believe it's the most diverse. Now, let me just end with, with um, I have so much stuff on the college, it's incredible. Uh, Scott, uh, I'm sorry, I already told you Scott's prayers, and I told you staff's prayer. Scott sent this, uh, Greg sent this to me asking for this prayer. Um, he said on the Toronto side, the University of Toronto, which is 50,000, he said pray for uh, three young men and their work, because there's a couple of people helping him. There's Jay Lee and Montage that are helping him, and they want to, he wants us to pray for the medical complex, 
the Rothman and Woodsburg Business Colleges, the Interfaith Department, and we did go and pray, did a prayer walk over those campuses, and we prayed for the International Ministries Division, the Student Affairs Division, and we prayed for those areas. Uh, he also wants us to pray as Ryerson, to pray for the Student Center, the Commercial School, and also, let me just say this real quick, there's just so much. One of the things, too, that Scott told me, he said, what we do is we've learned this as our position. We base it on Luke 10, verse 19. And it's where Jesus sent out the 72 by 2. And then he said to them, when you find a person of peace, bless them. So what all of them do, the 40 of them do, they work with each other, although one's IMB, one's NAM. What they do is look for a person of peace in a setting. Now, Scott found a person of peace in the Salvation Army. And be quite frankly, I'm going to tell you, you would not have had anything to do with that person. He had earrings all over, and for all intents and purposes, just by outward appearance, he looked homosexual. Okay? But Scott befriended him. And just basically said to him one day, he said, you know, how about, you know, people come in and out, why don't we just have some coffee for them in the back? How simple is a cup of coffee? Let's talk over a cup of coffee. So now he has someone helping him named Terry who had a cup of coffee, led him to the Lord, and now guess what? There's about eight or ten of them that meet together, have Bible study, have coffee in the morning in the back of the Salvation Army. And all he did was befriend the manager. See, it's the simpleness of connecting to one another. Guys, we talk about so many things. So many things. There's a sale at Dillard's or, you know, did you notice the new restaurant that's opened up, Woodlands or whatever. We talk about that. It should be just as easy to talk about Jesus. Now, I'm going to stop because I could go on and I know we only got so many minutes. But I have to leave you with this because this was my personal thing. How many of you know Charles Spurgeon? Come on, I'll carry Charles Spurgeon. Well, I, 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 like, I like classical people. I like old people, like Wigglesworth and C.S. Lewis. I love people of old. Our founding fathers of faith is what I call them. And I thought about me as a missionary. Now, if you were to term me missionary, I'd probably say, no, I'm not a missionary. I just want to go and tell people about Jesus. <laughs> well, that's what missionaries do. The word missionary means sent one. Same word as the apostle. And I thought, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, is everybody a missionary? Yes, they are. You may not go to Africa or Nicaragua or Zimbabwe or Belize or, or Canada, but you're a missionary right where you are. And listen to the words of Charles Spurgeon. I like him. Great, great preacher back in the 1800s in England. Great, great man of God. Probably said in his lifetime he probably talked to 10 million people about Jesus. But listen to what he said, and I thought about this. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. Recollect that. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. Of course, I do not mean that by those who use the pen are silent. They're not. And those who help others to use the tongue or spread that which others have written are doing their part. 
But that man who says, I believe in Jesus, but does not think enough of Jesus ever to tell another about him by mouth or pen or tract is an imposter. You are either doing good or you're not good yourself. If you know Christ, thou art as that one that has found honey that will help others taste how good All I'm saying is, when I went to Canada, I had a desire for others to taste just how good he is.